Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello, good morning, and welcome back to Inside Out. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of catching up with founder of Lisson Women's Only Gym, personal trainer, relationship and business coach, Nerida Bint. Nerida's mission is to make a global shift in the way women think about emotional and physical health through community, connection, and contribution. In this episode, we dive into Nerida's story in health and fitness, her why behind creating Australia's women's only gym. Nerida shares her healing journey. We discuss communication in relationships, balancing masculine and feminine energy, cultivating community and shifting gears in your story. And of course, so much more. If you enjoy this episode, I have one favor to ask you. Please take a moment to leave a quick written review on Apple Podcasts. This really supports me to support more women on their health and well-being journey in the podcast space. So I would really appreciate that. And of course, share to your Instagram, share with anyone that you know needs to hear a conversation just like this one. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you? I'm really well. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's such a cool privilege. Yeah, I'm so excited. I think um, I've wanted to reach out for you with you for a little while now, so I'm glad that we connected the dots and made mm, it happen. How exciting. Um, so before we get into some big topics, can you just share a little on you, who you are, where you're from, all the things? Yeah, yeah. So um, my name is Nerida Bint. I'm turning 40 this year. Uh, I am the owner of La Soma, women's own, a couple of women's only gyms based in Newcastle and Maitland. Um, that's kind of how I suppose I've built my career over the last decade. Um, I'm originally from Newcastle, so I've moved away, cool. come back, but I am an Overcastrian at heart and yeah. I love this city. Very so passionate good. about the people that live here, the community, the business community, local sport. Um, yeah, I'm definitely very passionate about where I live. Yeah. Um, I think Newcastle is a perfect blend of like big enough, but not too big, mm. you know. Um, I have really, I suppose my journey has been unique, interesting in the way that I grew up, mm. um, you know, very disconnected, very depressed, um, you know, really, you know, suffered from depression and really didn't have any kind of big hopes or dreams for my life. Like I remember when I was a young teenage girl thinking that, you know, I, I, my first job was working as a checkout chick for a supermarket. And I remember then thinking, you know, if I could get a job as a manager or a team department manager or something like that, then that would be big for me. Like that would be huge success. Like that's the, the, the most I was capable of. Yeah. You know, I had no belief in my abilities. I never, never saw myself as being somebody that was intelligent or articulate or somebody that anyone else would ever look up to. Um, and I suppose, you know, things happen and life pans out for you in interesting ways. And now I find myself here turning 40 and yeah, it's, it's been an interesting journey. It's been one that has been full of ups and downs. Mm. Um, but one that I'm leaning more into every year of my life, every season of my life and 
finding my way back to myself. Oh, that's beautiful. Um, I would love to just go back to when to the businesses, to, mm. to Lisa Home. Talk to me about that process. How did that start for you? What did that look like? Because you just touched on how, you know, your your belief in yourself as a child or a teenager was that you would only get as far, but you just absolutely smashed that, right? Mm. So tell me about that. So um, my very first boyfriend I met when I was 22, 23. Mm-hmm. We w- were dating a couple of years and then we decided to make the trip to go overseas and live in London nice. um, and do the whole work visa thing, rites of passage. <laughs> we moved over there just as the um, crisis, the GFC hit. Yes. So um, the only job we could get, I was working as a nanny and he, he worked as a nanny too. So I worked as a nanny looking after some children, lived there for two and a half years, had a ball, but I ended up putting on like nearly 20 kilos um, you know, it was just, I didn't exercise. I was partying constantly. I was traveling and, you know, we lived on a main street where you could, you know, it was cheaper to go out to the pub to eat than it was to cook your own healthy meal at home. Mm. So, you know, they call that, they say that Australians go over and get a dose of the Heathrow injection. Well, uh, that's like 10 kilos. I got two. So I came back home and we bought a house in, um, we bought, bought our very first house and, we actually bought a house directly across the road from a CrossFit gym. And this was 10 years ago. So no one really, I didn't even know what CrossFit was. All of a sudden, and I'd always been really athletic growing up. So I'd always played a lot of sport. I'd been involved in surf lifesaving. So I'd always been really fit, but kind of by accident, just through playing sport. It wasn't intentional. I didn't know anything about nutrition. You know, it was just, I loved sport and competing. Um, so I, we bought this house and... I was just blown away. Every morning I would wake up and watch these people doing crazy things like running, rowing, skipping, burpees, flipping tires, throwing barbells above their head, climbing ropes, doing pull-ups. And I was just in awe. And, you know, ironically, most people are afraid to join a gym, especially when they're overweight. I was completely naive because I had the background of being really fit and strong. Um, So I just decided to go over there and just ask what it was all about. And I was like so excited. And I'll never forget the morning. It was one of those mornings that's just imprinted in my mind. I walked across the road and I was walking in and and it was like everyone was looking at me and I was trying to find someone that looked like they were in charge. You know, I was looking around. I didn't know how it worked. So, uh, you know, I was looking for a coach really. And everyone just kind of went quiet. It was this really awkward moment. And then finally a guy approached me and I could tell he was the coach and I was just still so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, I, I live across the road, just bought a house there. Um, I'm seeing what you guys are doing. Like, you know, how does this work? What's the, you know, what's the deal? Basically, take my money. You know, I was literally ready to sign up. Yeah. Not, you could not have had an easier sale. And, you know, he looked me up and down and he said, darling, I don't think this is for you. And all of a sudden, this huge, overwhelming shame and, you know, embarrassment and I was completely mortified. And I remember just thinking to myself, do not cry as I was leaving, mm. leaving the gym. So I left the gym and, you know, I went a couple of months and I didn't do anything. I was just, I kept watching them and I just, my heart was just, you know, yearning to be in there doing something like that. Because I knew what I was capable of. Like, I knew I was overweight, but I knew what I was capable of. Mm. Um, anyway, fast forward a couple of months, I was at a barbecue with a friend. And um, I bumped into some friends that I knew. And he had lost about 10 or 15 kilos. And he just was glowing. He just looked happy. And I said to him, what have you been doing? And he said, I've been doing CrossFit. And I'm like, damn it. Like, I really want to do it. But, you know, I'm not fit enough. And he said, that's not true. Come with me to my gym. Anyway, he tried to convince me. I tried to, you know, kind of 
I tried to explain to him my experience. He wouldn't have a bar of it. So he made me come, you know, he said, look, come on Thursday, 5.30 p.m. Just come and try one session. So I agreed just to get him off my back. As the week went on, I thought, I'm just going to, I'll come up with a reason why I can't go. Because now I had that fear. Now I went from this naive girl that just thought gyms were welcoming to everybody to now going, oh, I get it. I understand the stigma around gyms yeah. and yeah, I've, I've experienced it. Yeah. So there was no way I was putting myself back in that situation again. <laughs> he messaged me the morning of and he said, don't even think about cancelling. I'll see you at 5.30 p.m. Love that. All day I was in a state of anxiety and I'd never had anxiety. Um, and I remember driving there and just, I was nearly on the verge of tears and I pulled up and I could see all these people doing the class before me. And I was just thinking, Oh my God, I cannot do this. Like, what am I thinking? And it was just, I remember feeling like there was something above me that just like made me get out of the car. It was my higher self. I'm sure of it. Yeah. 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 And made me walk in there. And weirdly I had the complete polar opposite experience. So I had the owner come straight over to me and introduce himself. Nerida, we've been waiting for you. Welcome. Come on in. My name's Shannon. Introduced me to like five members, you know, chatted to me, asked me, you know, what I'd been doing, what my background was, what my goals were, just made me feel a part of the community immediately. The first workout was something crazy, like five rounds of 400 meter run, 20 box jumps, 20 pull-ups, 20 burpees. It was Ouch. insane. Ouch. <laughs> and I did the first 500 meter run and I, I, the gym was right on this oval and I remember running, I was halfway and everyone was like, finish that 400. Like, I was miles behind anybody. But I didn't care because I just knew. I was like, this is going to suck for three months, but I'll be okay. Mm. So anyway, the last round of burpees, I'll never forget it. I still hadn't finished and everyone else had. And I get down to do my last 20 burpees and I'm like, honestly dying. Like, my whole body is just, oh, in a way, it has never felt. <laughs> like, I can't. I remember that feeling so vividly. I know the feeling. <laughs> Every muscle, my lungs were on fire. I felt like I was going to vomit, you know. And then all of a sudden, everyone in the class drops down. And they're like, 20, 19, oh, fuck yeah. 18. And I'm like, what is going on here? They did all the 20 burpees with me. Awesome. And then at the end, everyone came over and was high-fiving me. One lady hugged me. And I was just a mess. Like, I was just like, oh, my God, this is incredible. And so, obviously, I was hooked. So mm. I signed up, and not that it's about the weight loss, but I did lose 20 kilos in 12 weeks. It just fell off me mm. because I'd never done strength training. I'd never trained, you know, I'd never done, you know, kind of cardio like that. I'd never done gymnastics. But not only that, I gained myself, like, back. I found my confidence, and I didn't realize, but at that point, I was in a really dark place in my life. I was really unhappy in my relationship. I was unhappy with my health. I was unhappy in my job. But I now look back and I realize I had to tick one thing off at a time. So I got the health. Mm. And then after after that, I decided to leave the relationship that I wasn't happy in. And then I left the relationship that I wasn't happy in and I found my feet there. And then about 12 months after that, I realized I had to leave the job that I wasn't happy in. And, mm. you know, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was driving to work one day and I just had that same sick, sad feeling. And I just called my boss and I quit. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And at that time, ironically... You know, it's, just, it's interesting. I thought, oh, even though I worked for a company that was fantastic, who loved me and did everything they could for me, I put, I thought my pain was in the, in the company. I thought, oh, it's the job that's making me miserable. I, I need to do this, but for someone else, which is yeah. so ironic because that never would have worked. <laughs> and my boss actually was the one that first one to say to me, he said, what are you going to do? And I said, I don't know. And he said, why don't you become a PT? Because they had witnessed my transformation. Right. They'd seen me. Yes. And then girls would come to me and ask me about training and nutrition at the gym, at work. 
And he was like, you should be a PT narrator. He's like, you light up when you talk about burpees. And I laughed at him. I didn't think any of it. A couple of months went by and I just didn't do much. I just enjoyed the summer. And then money was getting tight. So I thought, <laughs> all right. I thought, I'll just go down to Derby Street. I know a couple of cafe owners. I'll just go and get a job waitressing at a cafe. So I was actually on my way to the depot. And I drove past Pink Muscle, this women's only supplement store. <laughs> and I lived in Merida. So I'd driven down Derby Street thousands of times. But it was like I saw it for the first time. And all of a sudden I was like, I wonder if they need any work. So I went in there, chatted to Erin, and we instantly hit it Clicked, off. yeah. And she didn't have any work for me. But when she could hear how pumped I was about training and exercise and stuff like that, she said to me, why don't you start a boot camp under the Pink Muscle name? It can be a bit of a promotion for the shop and you can keep the money that you earn. And I was like, well, I'm not a PT. I don't have any gear and I don't know who would come. And she said, well, I'm a PT. I could help you, help you run it until you get yours. Um, I've got a couple of slam balls and some skipping ropes. I've got a list of 10 girls we could message. Mm. Let's give it a go. So I raised home. I texted all the 10 girls. I said, be at the foreshore Monday morning, 6 a.m., $10 a session. Eight of them turned up. And it really is just history from there. Like I turned up. And I ran a terrible session. You know, I had no idea what I was doing. But the girl, I was attentive and I cared about the girls. And then all of a sudden it went from, it was three days a week. And then all of a sudden they were asking me for five days a week. And then all of a sudden they were asking me for more challenging exercises. And then I started to say to them, why don't you come to my, because at the time I was still doing CrossFit. But they were like, no way. There's no way we'll go to a CrossFit gym. Mm. Too intimidating. And that's when I started thinking, what if there was a women's only gym that was kind of like CrossFit, but not really CrossFit? So as soon as I started to say it, the girls were like, sign me up, like we're in. So then I only had about 15, 20 girls training with me at that time. So this was literally eight years ago in April, eight years wow. ago. And Erin said to me, okay, well, I told her my idea. She was like, great. She said, well, you need to get your Cert 3 and 4. You need to get more clients and you need to find a space. So I signed up to do my Cert 3 and 4. I started looking at spaces and then... I, she said to me, you have to train people for free for a little while. You just have to because people aren't going to pay you because they don't know you. Mm. And as much as that killed me, that's what I did. It's true. I worked for, and I, I went back to my old job and did a little bit of cash work to get some more money. Um, and then I would drive a different way to work every day through Ties Hill, through Mayfield, like just different areas. And then before I knew it, I found a space. I had 45 clients to open with. You know, I, I finished my Cert 3 and 4 in the September of 2014 and we opened. We opened with 45 members um, and I ran that there for two years and we got to, you know, 90 members there. So we outgrew that space really quickly. So then we moved to Carrington. Um, we moved to Carrington. We got to 250 members there. I decided to open a second gym up at Maitland. Um, you know, I took on my first full-time employee. I employed more and more girls. Um, you know, and so that's how I started. Like, and every single time, you know, I was just talking to someone about this yesterday, just before I signed that lease, that very first lease in, um, Ties Hill, I think the lease was 16 grand a year. So it wasn't much, but I was so scared. Mm. And I had this friend say to me, um, don't fear the flinch because when you fear the flinch, what you fear, the the growth is on the other side of that. So jump and just have faith that it's going to work out. You're going to make it happen. And I said to Erin what my fears were. And she was like, Nerida, if you coached a class in the morning and a class in the evening and you went and packed shelves at Coles in the day, you'd pay rent, wouldn't you? Mm. And I was like, yeah, now that you put it that way, I would. So when I started getting okay with that, yeah. and then it came up again when I decided to sign the lease at Carrington. And then it came up again when I decided to employ Ash full time. And then it came up again when I decided to open Maitland. Like 
it's every part of this process, you always feel that fear, but then, you know, you know that the biggest leap is on the other side. Right. Totally. Mm. There's only growth and discomfort. Right? And I don't believe in failure. Like, I mean, look at my last two years. I've had the worst performance. Like my business has never performed worse than in the last two years. Mm. And, you know, at one point I was thinking about closing. And so many people would look at that like it was a failure. I don't. Mm. I look at it as a redirection. Mm. You know, two years ago when COVID first hit, I went through in the space of a month, I went through a breakup. I had to move out of my house. And I had to, I was broken up with by the guy I thought I was going to marry and have kids with. So I was yeah. devastated. Yeah. You know, he was part owner of the business. Um, two businesses closed, you know, and not knowing what was going to happen. And so I went through this huge, like, I like to call it a divine storm where everything happens at once to shift you. Yeah, I know them. (laughs) Yeah, and now looking back, and I knew this at the time, like Steve Jobs said this so famously, you can only connect the dots looking back. And I knew it. At the time, I knew I thought something is in this for me and I don't know what it is, but I have to trust that the universe has a bigger plan. Mm. And it, it put me into the now the work that I'm so passionate about, which is relationship, you know, healing, connection, um, you know, it, it, I was never meant for that guy. We weren't suited, you know, that wasn't, a, it, it, you know, he did me the biggest favor because he could see it and I couldn't, um, you know, I, yeah, it, it put me on that path where I had to be forced to, to choose differently. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I was, I was miserable. I wasn't that happy, but I was grinding away at something thinking, this is what I'm meant to be doing. When actually, no, maybe it's not. Yes, absolutely. Oh, my goodness. And sometimes life, it, it just sends you those curveballs and steers us in directions where we're supposed to be. Mm. Our subconscious mind, it knows this. We have these red flags come up, but we don't see them. They yeah. just go, you know, we can only see what we can see yeah. until we can see it, right? If yeah. that makes sense to yeah. anyone. <laughs> yes, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like you you had this experience and, yeah, it might have felt externally or in your conscious, you know, heart hurtful and sad but your subconscious was like we are on the road like we are going somewhere now like totally yeah absolutely um and i love i just the whole brand of this home is just incredible everything that you've done everything that you've achieved in eight years is mm. amazing the community the the way that the the women spread your your message the mm. way that the women that are basically paying you to train them they're all you know leaking this through the whole town like they just want everyone to feel what they feel as well and it's recognizable because i had one friend um vanessa who's just started there and i used to train with her a couple of years yeah. ago and she put up a photo i was like oh you're gonna do it yeah. so that's so exciting she goes babe you would love it you need to come i was like oh i've already signed up somewhere for 12 months but i will i'll get there um but just the whole crossfit game like for me when i started training around that same time about eight years ago um I was walking into like Planet Fitness, I think it was, and I was mm. so intimidated to lift weights. Mm. And it was, if you go in that area, the men were like, get out of here. Or the women even mm. were like, get out of here. It was very clicky. And, you know, I'd go at 4 a.m. in the morning, like mm. get there at 4 to start at 4 because no one would be there. So mm. I could, could weight train. Yeah. And the idea of the CrossFit community was intimidating. Mm. So I would never, I wanted to, I, like in my heart, I was like, oh, I really want to go. I really want to try this. Mm. But it's just people that maybe weren't, living in alignment of themselves that we're all, all there and doing that for this for this look and this physique and mm. this style of human and facade that they wanted to put on, right? Mm. So, for, yeah, I just never got myself there until a lot later in life and I, I stand by CrossFit. I think it's a fantastic community. Yeah. Um, anyone that's there is there for a holistic approach to health. No one's there because they want to 
go on a stage. Yeah. And I think that's something oh, that yeah. really differs in the two. Oh, you know, for as much as I say that first experience going into the CrossFit world was, um, you know, traumatic for me, since then I've become, you know, I've, I've been very involved in the CrossFit community. And mm. I'll tell you this, it's the one brand that has inspired women to lift weights, get strong, get fit. You know, you walk into a CrossFit gym, guaranteed you will see 50, 60% of women in shorts, a crop top, no matter what size they are, whether a size 8 or an 18. Yeah. CrossFit did that for women. Yeah. You know, you look at women that, like, the thing I love about CrossFit is, you know, women aren't put on a pedestal because of their size. They're put on a pedestal because of their performance. So you could see someone who's a size 16, but she can clean and jerk 80 or 90 kilos, and she's a weapon, and everyone, you know, puts her on a pedestal. And then you could have someone who is a, a gymnast and can mm. do 20 pull-ups in a row. Like, it's based on performance. And there's a, you know, there's a real connection with, you know, we talk about community so much. And I think a lot of gyms think that they have a community <laughs> when they probably don't really. Taking your members out for breakfast once a week is not community. No. The way I measure community is how connected is my most elite kind of highest performing athlete to the new person? How connected are they? Do they know each other's names? Mm. Have they spoken? You know, how connected are the, you know, like we're, everything's a hierarchy as much as you like to, as much as we try to eliminate it, it there is. Like I have no, I, I have no doubt that when women come into La Somme for the first time, they look at Ash and I and they put us on a bit of a pedestal. Like yeah. whether we want yeah. that or not, yeah. it's like, well, those leaders that are in my community, are they going out and talking to the new people? Are they lend, Are they buddying up with the the, you know, the athletes that are less experienced and more scaled, are they reaching out to the women who are older and are they training with those women? Because if those two point, if those pointy ends are not connected, you don't really have a community in my eyes. That's how mm. I measure community. Yeah, I think that's really important. It's mm. a really embodying way of looking at, at being together and cultivating that yeah. compassion and kindness with among a group of women who normally in a group of women not everyone's going to get along or you know yeah. there's different types well, of personalities that you're dealing with as well but so many people said that to me when i started listen they said oh it'll be really bitchy and you better be careful and don't get me wrong we've had our moments <laughs> i've had my moments like when you're in when you're triggered and you don't behave in your best self like yeah. in your best light that's not a good look like and i'm <laughs> sure that there are people out there that i've hurt before because I acted out of integrity. I will definitely own that. Now, looking back, I can see many times as a leader that I did not behave in my highest um, self. Um, and also, when you create a culture or when you create values, when you talk, and you have to do it constantly, you have to be constantly reminding them what's important and why we're here and why we do this. And when you create that, they can't help but rise up to it. Mm-hmm. You know, people, I love that saying, um, James. Uh, the guy who wrote Atomic Habits says it best. He says, people don't achieve their goals because of their goals. They, or something about rising to the level of your systems. Like, so it's all about you create the system. Mm. So we have rules and things in place to create that community feel. Yeah. And now people do them without even thinking about it. And if you don't have that in place, you, you, people won't naturally go out of their way to create a community. They just won't. You have to facilitate it. So each gym has its own flavor of what, what their focus is you know some are focused on creating elite athletes and that's what they do really well but they may not have that community some people focus on weight loss some gyms focus on it's what you focus on what you talk about how you how you talk about your values and the best thing we ever did was create our three core values Mm. community excellence and courage and we talk about those all the time and that way we you know 
people know how to behave. They, they're led by that. They, there's no confusion. It's just this is how we do things here and we expect you to step up and step in or step out. Mm, I love that so much. Um, so what does health look like for you right now? Mm. Like in your life, you've transitioned and shifted so much in the last eight years. And I think you've been, um, like me, been on two ends of the scale where you were quite unhappy and unhealthy, but then also then full throttle, 100%. So what does it look like now? Yeah, it's definitely changed a lot, especially coming into my 40th year. Um, you know, like, I mean, I have spent the last eight years now looking back in a highly stressed state. Mm-hmm. So not only my training, not at running a business, um, coaching. So I'm in a state where I've been highly stressed. So like my, my first, my ex-boyfriend, the one that we broke up a few years ago, used to say this to me all the time. He'd say, I don't know how you do it. You leave home at five in the morning and you come home at seven. You haven't been home all day. And then you lay on the lounge and you just knack it. And then I, I realized like I was really burning out. Like I was, you know, just totally burning myself out. So um, now it's very different. I'm much kinder to myself. Yeah. I'm much more relaxed and forgiving. And I, you know, I mix it up. Like I do train at the gym a couple of times a week because I love that. But I also walk. I run. I swim. I do yoga. Um, I'm really trying to lean into those, um, you know, movement pieces yes. that are not such, not in a stressful state. Um, I'm trying to tap in more to other um, parts of holistic healing. So meditation, breath work, hot, cold therapies, um, my nutrition, like really dialing that in and figuring out some of these little allergies that I have, like what foods really help me and what don't. Um, you know, being in the sun, like vitamin D, that is so important. Like getting yeah. your, your daily vitamin D um, is really, really important. Um yeah, so it's 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 much more and, and also to like healing work, like doing the trauma work because, you know, the work that like if you're traumatized, you are living that in your body. And mm-hmm. if your body is, if you're not healing your body, it will store and it will work against you. Yes. So he, doing that mind body healing mm-hmm. um, to really fully so that I'm fully feeling my best self mm-hmm. A journaling, like I love journaling, I journal nearly every day. So, yeah, really working through my emotions and unpacking all that sort of stuff, I think, is a part of being healthy. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, having fun with movement as mm. well and not restricting yourself to like one one size doesn't fit all. We mm. know that. And in mm. doing things like going for a walk with a friend or I, I did something a few months ago. I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but just again, um, I done cartwheels on a jumping pillow at a caravan yeah, park. Yeah. I may have had a couple of drinks, but <laughs> I was like, I want to do that. And I, yeah. as a kid, I didn't do them. I was yeah. too embarrassed at failing. Yeah. And I didn't. I was like, that was awesome. Yeah. Like, how much fun was that? Well, this is the thing. People think that exercise has to be so rigid. Yeah. Like you put on a Fitbit, right? Like my niece and nephew, they're six and eight, and they <laughs> love like they. Oh, I'd love to put a Fitbit on them because I think they'd probably run ten to fifteen kilometers a day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I take them to Revolution Park once a week after school. We do school drop off, and you know what's funny? I used to, like adults. We always sit back and let the kids play, and actually they so want us to 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 jump in and play with them. That's how they connect. Mm. And I remember just a few months ago taking them down to Revolution. And I took my shoes off and everything and I went all in with them. I climbed up every little bit. I slid down every slippery slide. I did. I jumped on the trampolines. You know, I climbed the obstacle course with them. I fell into the foam pit. Yeah. And I, oh, like, I tracked my movement. It was two times higher than a workout. Ah. 
and I came out of it. My niece actually said to me, she never says stuff like this. She's like, Nez, you're the best. Aww. They felt so connected to me because I was just in their world for that hour. And I was sweating. Like, I was sweating bullets. So I'm like, this is a workout. Mm-hmm. But yet I'm also connecting with my family at the same mm-hmm. time. So and this is part of, like, now where I'm going. Like, I used to very much be focused on trying to help women, you know, do the movements. Like, mm-hmm. run, skip, row, clean and jerk, do a pull-up. But now... Do you know what I'm seeing more and more, especially over the last two years since COVID, now we're all sitting down more, at home more. What kills me is when you see a woman come into the gym and she cannot climb down on the ground and sit down and stand back up. <laughs> I, can't, I see women who can't jog 200 metres without stopping. I see women who can't touch their toes. Mm. And we're so like, and you know, Zach Bush said this best. The only things that kill us, like we could live forever if we, if there are only two things that stop us. One of them is dehydration so most of us are living dehydrated we're not getting soil in the water isn't producing the water that we need so we actually need to add salt to it um so that our cells open up and and take this in i'm going to butcher this but basically that's the you know fundamental part of it and then so water like hydration is the thing that kills people like you know old people and then the other thing is mind body connection communication so that's movement Mm. so it's moving your body right Mm. so the more stationary we are the quicker we're going to die. Like that's just flat out. Mm. I would 100% put my hand up and say that's what's going to happen. So the more we move, the more we get into all those positions, crawling, skipping, like, you know, folding over, crossing our legs, just the more mobile and agile we are, the the more likely we're going to have a better quality of life and a longer life. Yeah. And that is the thing that people do not see. I now see, I even see young girls that have no flexibility, no mobility. It's because all day they're doing this, and they're standing up yes. and sitting down. That's it. Yeah, so that's you think it. about it. Where is your movement coming from? Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, I can proudly say that I actually, when I drop something, when I'm holding my two toddlers and my son's a whopper, so that's annoying, but I can squat down properly, mm. grab my keys from the ground, holding them both right. and stand back up. It hurts and yeah. it's very uncomfortable. But you can do it. But I, don't, I can do that. Mm. And that's, I guess, the training and the practices that I've been can fun with it too and not totally. being so restrictive with, oh, that's not exercise. It doesn't count. It's not in the totally. gym. It doesn't count. I it's, love most of us do not move enough every day. So most of us should be tr- like doing some sort of workout three to four times a week. And we should also be trying to get 10,000 steps in a day. We should also be trying to just get incidental exercise. So yeah. even if it is your kids are down at the beach and they're doing cartwheels, jumping in and doing some cartwheels with them. Yeah. You know, even if it is going to the park and kicking a footy around, like mm. that incidental exercise, like we have really lost our connection to that. We're so sedentary. I know, I know. Like some things I like to do is park the furthest car park away yeah. I can to walk to the grocery shop, yeah. take the stairs whenever you can. Yeah. We've become so lazy yeah. and mindfully lazy. Like, yeah, the parents with prams park. Yeah, mm. it's convenient when you got a pram, but what's the difference in the extra walk? Yeah, yeah. I, unless you've got a shopping trolley. Yeah. And yeah. how often, you know, like yeah. I, I used to use that park yeah. all the time. Yeah. Sometimes I will admit I didn't have a pram. I yeah. just had a baby. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to pretend that the pram's inside if anyone yeah. catches me. To be late, it's such a lazy society that yeah. we're existing in now. Yeah. And these little habits that we can just start introducing yeah. will change, shift so much in our week, like as, totally. as an overall on a week-to-week basis, not on, you know, just day-to-day. 100%. Um, because, yeah, yeah getting that, getting those 10,000 steps in a day is really important. We're all sitting for yes. so long. Yeah. So you just touched on breath work and meditation mm. and, and things like that that you're looking at and doing at the moment. What are some other healing modalities that you've found on your journey of self-discovery that have really just, like, cracked you open? Mm. Like, oh, oh, this this is releasing. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? I really believe in community healing, like mm. in, in group healing. So any workshop, retreat, 
Um, I, I, I'm a big believer we heal in community. So um, that like kind of open sharing, that open space where you're with mm. other people mm. and you can be in a room and everybody is sharing and you just realise I'm. this is our biggest thing. We think we're so individual. We don't realise that we all share pain, that we all have pain and we're all disconnected from ourselves. So I think that that, you know, group kind of healing um you know framework is so important i think that men's groups are really important women's groups are important i think that um any any sort of space that's pushing you to your edge like i went to a retreat with amber hawk and a year ago today pretty much this week Mm. in april and you know i didn't even know what i was signing up for but i was in so much pain i just needed something Mm. and it was three and a half grand you know and i went and on the way there i was thinking all right what have i done i've just signed up for this thing i have no idea about and day one I remember standing in a field after doing an ice bath with all these girls and there was this guy playing a flute <laughs> and I just thought to myself, it's already worth the money. Yes. <laughs> so I'm a big believer in any sort of sound healing. I'm a very musical person, so I love sound healing events. Um, you know, I think that they're really, really beautiful. Um, anything that's bringing us back to, to our truest nature, our, our most inner, you know, nature i think Mm. is is where we need to be rituals ceremony any anything where you're with people who are just honoring each other honoring you know that space Mm. i think is very sacred and i'm really excited especially in newcastle like i've waited for the last 12 months i've seen this sort of activity happening around australia but i haven't and overseas but i haven't really seen it here and i was just saying to a friend like on the weekend i had three or four different things i was invited to go to and I couldn't go to all of them. And I was like, wow, this is actually happening in Newcastle. Like more and more people host. Like I hosted a couples event, you know, six weeks ago. And the feedback I got from that was just incredible. So we're just now starting to see these facilitators in Newcastle really starting to go that next level mm. and host these events, which is really exciting. I feel like in the holistic health practices as, as um, practitioners, sorry, in that space, it's been like almost it's, like not trusted for a long time and now mm. after all, the last few years if the, those practitioners are coming out and being like oh no I trust you way more and rather than you know going to a psychologist for relationship coaching oh, yeah. investing you know hundreds of dollars per session to sit down mm. with somebody that's just going to have a very what what's the word like like, clinical. Yeah, clinical. Mm. That's what I'm going for. Yeah. Clinical, mm. you know, approach. And that's not healing and that's not digging deep and that's not finding the root cause of anything. It's not mm. looking at core values and boundaries and uh, all of that, you know. Well, this, that's the thing about this work. It's not linear. It's so multifaceted. Mm. And, you know, like I said to you before we started the podcast, like my healing journey, like really it's probably been five years but deep in the last 12 months. Mm. Like I've only really gone deep in the last 12 months and really, really shown up to a different level. Mm. Um, And it has been very different at times. You know, I'll go through phases where I'm journaling every day and then I'll go through phases where I'm seeing, you know, I'm getting support from someone leading me in my healing. You know, I'm about to step into some hypnotherapy, Um, breath work, like meditation. I'm I'm like so proud now. I think I'm like three months straight every day, 10 minutes of meditation. Uh, it's only 10 minutes, but it's made a huge impact. Um, it does. And I think it's so interesting. This is why I love the holistic psychologist so much because she is a clinical psych mm. and she sees the value in that, but she also sees the gaps and she does see that there's this whole other world that we're not even talking about, you know, this, you know, all these other things that are more connected to trauma, more connected to our conditioning, more connected to 
our coping mechanisms and then doing the work there and then it's awareness and then mm. it's the body like creating that you know like if you know i heard for i've i think i've listened to this for two years the, the about the mind body connection and i did not i was like what the hell does that even mean and i think i'm only just really starting in the last mm. six months to understand that if your body doesn't know how to hold something different to what you're choosing you will never be able to make that choice because your body is always trying to keep you safe and our body will react accordingly. Of course. Right? So it might come out in like breakouts or bloating or digestive problems or whatever. Or it might even just come out in like right in the moment. Like yeah. you might actually just feel that sense of like, I'm not safe. Like yeah. you know, I see yeah. it all the time in, in the relationship space. Like I see women constantly say they want a man that understands them. They want a man that can listen to them and they want a man who's present. And the minute they're faced with that, they freak out. They avoid <laughs> it. They can't make eye contact. They try to act out to sabotage and they want to pull away. Mm. So the minute they're faced with it, their body doesn't know how to hold it. So it's about teaching them how to hold that and actually consciously go, no, 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 this is what I want. This is what I'm looking for. Mm. And I'm going to sit here and allow myself to just receive. I'm actually going to let this in. Yeah. How do you think or what do you think are some common themes with those women in particular that want that presence in a man and then struggle to, to have that fit when they when they get it, what would be the past traumas or past limiting beliefs maybe that they've dealt with in the past? So when you're like so when you grow up in the family system, like when you when you whatever family dynamics are at play, mm-hmm. that becomes your norm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So whether it's healthy or not, that's your norm. So what's normal, it's familiar, comes from family. So what happens is as you go out into the world, you take that out with you, that conditioning, that that understanding, and that's what's expected. And you look for that in every partner, whether that's what you consciously want or not. So typically, I would say the most thing I see is women, we have a wounding, mm. okay? So I think that, um, I, I'll talk about my experience. I have a very, a, a strong masculine wound. So Tony Robbins said this best, like, Find the part, the parent that you craved love from the most and that's where your wounding is. Mm. And that was for me. Like I never really craved my mother's love, but I did crave my father's love. So he was very distant, very neglectful, very absent and, um, you know, probably emotionally explosive. So in every partner, mostly that I've had bar one, it's been the same. I've, I've gravitated towards someone who's a little bit distant, mm. emotionally distant, mm. a little bit someone who's not so comfortable having deep conversations, you know, um, someone that is just holding me at arm's length because that's what feels familiar, okay? Mm. Until I do the work to then become more intimate with myself and my feelings and my emotions, there's no way I'm going to have that with somebody else. Yeah. So what everyone, people always do, they're like, I want someone who does this. I want someone who's that. I want someone who's conscious. First thing I say to them, well, are you conscious? Mm-hmm. Are you fully conscious? Because we're always projecting out what we actually, the, the inner voice that we're actually wanting within. Mm-hmm. So my last breakup, you know, I, that really, that was a tough one for me because when, when my, the two year ago partner and I ended it was painful because I was grieving the future I thought we had, but it was also, I think deep down I knew that we weren't a, a good fit. Like we never fought or anything, but I, I knew that we didn't have that deep emotional connection. And that's what I always said I wanted. So the next partner I meet, boom, that's mm-hmm. what we have. All of a sudden I'm with somebody who's, I've got that deeper connection with. Now, when things didn't work out there, all I wanted, all I kept doing was focusing on him 
and thinking about what he wasn't giving me. Mm. And really, that was actually me wanting my, you know, adult, like so I'm my inner child, mm. crying out for my adult to take care of me and look within yeah. and, and do the healing work. So I've been doing that for the last, you know, 12 months. Yes. Um, so, yeah, whenever you're projecting out to somebody else, you're trying to control them or you're trying to want more from them, it's always just you actually asking your higher self for that same thing. Because mm. we can't give, we can't expect someone else, no one else can give us what we truly need ourselves. We have to give it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I know that sounds a bit airy-fairy. Some people not, get that, no, some people won't. <laughs> right and that's up okay. my alley, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> some people, will, that will resonate. Yeah. But that's the biggest thing I see. Mm. People really projecting out to their partners what they need instead of taking care of their own needs or expressing from a place of vulnerability. So... You know, say for instance, um, you know, instead of a partner saying, like instead of a woman, this is the, you know, it tends to come out as criticism. So I hear this a lot. Like he just doesn't help out around the house enough. You know, I have to do everything. And this is another thing. We step into our masculine Mm -hmm. and women become exhausted because they're doing, doing, doing. If instead you voiced your partner and you said, babe, oh, I'm so exhausted. I'm just, I'm, I'm really feeling it. Like I'm feeling really overwhelmed. If you just said that and you waited, your partner, chances are they're going to step up and go, oh, babe, like, what can I do to help? What can I do to help yeah, take it off the and plate? they do. And if they don't, you know, you wait. And instead, this is where women get angry. Like, he should just know. He should just speak up. He should just offer this. Well, no, he's not a mind reader. Mm. And you've probably trained him to, to, to be the way he is. Yeah. And if he doesn't, then you can vulnerably express and say, it would feel really good to me. Or I would feel really, it would feel really... Um, helpful to me if maybe once a week um you know you could just cook dinner for the kids you could cook us all dinner and that would just give me an afternoon off to go and do yoga or something like that would that be okay with you yeah instead of going you don't help around the house you don't do this you don't do that instead of vulnerably expressing from your heart how you're feeling what you need Mm. how you think you can take care of yourself to get better your partner's, of course, going to want that for you. They, and, and exactly. Like the only time that we, my husband and I, have ever had problems is when we're not, we're reading each other's minds and we're creating mm. a story of what we think is going on yeah. and we're assuming and yeah. it doesn't work. The world doesn't work that way. You cannot create a story in your mind and think that that is Bible and that is fact. Well, you isn't know? it funny? We, you know, the one person that we love the most and that we know loves us, but we always... When we're in conflict in our own minds, that's your own conflict mind, we don't ever look at them in their best light, do we? No. Do we? We always look at them in their worst light. Yep. And because that's really what's internally going on for you. Yep. You're struggling. <laughs> so you look at them like that they must be the problem. Yeah. When actually, instead, if you turned within and you're like, oh, you're, I'm really struggling right now. What's going on for me? Oh, all right. I'm really struggling to just get everything done. Okay. How can I meet my needs there how can i take a bit of a bit off my plate Mm. who would be the best person Mm. can i ask my husband Mm. can i get a babysitter can i get someone to take over the washing like whatever it is Mm. but what we do is we we it comes out in leaky unhealthy ways we get angry we get frustrated we do the silent treatment and then that causes further and further disconnection yeah so you know women tend to step into their masculine and so that pushes men into their feminine and they end up being repelled by that and what we really need is for women to stay in their feminine and stay from a living their lives from a heart space, from a mm-hmm. feeling space, from an emotions space, because that's where men connect. That's where men get their air. Like men want to make you happy mm. and then letting them lead, letting them be the man, letting them, 
you know, be the one to be your hero and, and win. But it's about you accessing that part of you that feels really scary because most women will never go there. Mm. Most women want their men to do all the work, but they're terrified of doing it themselves. They won't. I hear this all the time from women. They won't change their communication style because, well, why should I have to change? Well, because you're sitting here and you're asking for help. (laughs) Yeah, you're not happy. You're not happy, so why not? Why am I the one that has to X, Y, Z? Well, it starts with someone. Only one person in a relationship has to start dancing a different dance and then the other person has to follow. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Far out. I couldn't resonate with any of that more because, yeah, I've been in that place. I've been in that headspace. I've been projecting all of my energy Ooh, onto my have. husband like you know we've all been there right all of us. but it's yeah. what we do with it and when yeah. we're when we're in a place of alignment me and him and we're so fucking connected right now and so in alignment together as a partnership like never before mm. and it's because we are both talking mm. we are saying the words that we feel and we're expressing yeah. things and if we don't like something the other person does we're like hey that didn't feel good instead yeah. of being explosive yeah. and using that to communicate because there's automatically you, you, your subconscious and your body just gets that defense mechanism and we just go, oh, protect, get away from me, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know? It's interesting you said, oh, that didn't feel good to me. Mm. So this is what often happens. We point the finger at the other person. So mm. we attack. You, yeah. We point, we make what they're doing wrong, whereas actually when we point the finger back at ourselves and we, say, and we tap into our feelings, I'm not feeling good. I'm feeling unsafe. Because that's really – at the bottom of all of it, all conflict – I don't feel safe. Mm. I don't know if you love me. I don't know if I can trust you. That's at the that's the root, you know, underneath all of it, that's all we're ever fearful of. Mm. I don't feel safe. So what's interesting is instead of you pointing the finger and going, you did this and you did that and, I, you know, that was wrong, mm. you're actually pointing back to yourself and going, that didn't feel good to me. That can help him to come closer and go, oh, babe, I'm so sorry this is what I was thinking or, and then you can both get curious about it rather Mm. than it being this wall. And this is the biggest thing I see. We just have no idea how to communicate. We're all so terrified. And the biggest thing I see with women, Oh, I had a client just last week and we're talking through a situation and she said, um, you know, he was, she was analyzing her husband's behavior like this, this is, and I'm like, okay, well, how did that make you feel? Well, he's just doing the wrong thing and he's just, and I'm like, okay, cool. How did that make you feel? Well, he shouldn't be doing this. And it did it. And I'm like, she's so disconnected from her feelings. And then I actually brought that up. I said, stop. Here's a feeling, Will. She could not connect with any of the emotions. She was like, well, I don't even know. All she was doing was focused on him. Well, she wasn't focused on herself and going, oh, that's interesting. And then when we, it took us ages to get into it. But she was like, okay, well, I guess I'm feeling a bit jealous. I'm feeling really scared. I'm feeling anxious. I'm like, cool. How would this conversation have gone if that's what you expressed from the start? Mm, absolutely. But we always make it about the other person's behavior rather than making it about our feelings because we're so disconnected from our feelings. Absolutely. And no one can tell you how to feel along with behavior isn't permanent. Behavior that's is right. a state. That's right. Behavior is changeable. And quite often we want to stand back and, and blame and point that finger. Mm. But we aren't willing to accept that our behavior is impacting their behavior too, right? right. So as soon as we start Mm. communicating, being open, when you're vulnerable, when you meet, especially for the the feminine and the masculine energies, when you go to a masculine energy with your divine feminine and you are vulnerable and you are in that state of softness, how many times will someone come back at you with explosion? They don't. They see that and they want that. Do you know what I find so interesting? Mm. I say this to people all the time, right? Like if you had a little boy and he'd come home from school, 
and he'd been picked on and bullied and, you know, really had a horrible day at school. Your son, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you got kids. Mm-hmm. Have you got a little boy? Mm-hmm. How old is he? Three. Okay, so what's his name? Jesse. Jesse. If Jesse came home and he was, you know, traumatised, like terrible day, like in a mess, what's the first thing you would do? Uh, what happened? Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd comfort him. Yep. You'd want to understand. Right. Yep. You don't want to understand him. Yep. You'd tell me. Mm-hmm. You'd get curious. Mm. Now, when our partners are not acting in their high self, right, when they're not in their adult self, they're in their child state, right? When we go into conflict, we generally go into our child state. But what we do is we never give our partners that same curiosity, understanding, compassion, and love mm-hmm. that we do our partners. And when we start to do that, why, why is the way we treat people different depending on who they are in our lives? Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, super interesting. Yeah, because that's that par- partner, parent pattern playing out. It's mm-hmm. our familiar... It's that wounding that's playing out for us. Yeah. And that's why we make our partner responsible for all the hurt of our parents because that's what it means. Where it's when it's a child or when it's a friend or when it's a colleague, we don't make it mean anything close to us because mm. we know it's not. Mm. But when it's our most intimate person, we make it mean a whole lot more. And that's why we get in that's why we struggle in those relationships. Mm, it's interesting that that client in particular used as an example that she was kept coming back to all these different problems and all these areas and everything the partner was doing. That's that's her filter of reality. That's her story. That's not totally. what what's important. And coming back into those feelings as you just need to connect with yeah. how you feel and why yeah. you feel that way. Why does that trigger you? Why does that hurt so much? Going mm. inward on that is where the results and the growth is. And then when you go through that, I guarantee you, we will get to this point with this client, I'm telling you, but it will be a long burn. <laughs> yeah. I can tell you right now, I can already see it. I know that when we get to that point, she will probably then be able to identify, well, that hurts so much because that reminds me of when my father used to do this, this, and this. Mm. That reminds me of that moment. That reminds and they're our most painful moments. Our mm. most painful moments in life are the very first painful moments of our lives and they're so painful because it takes us back to that place mm. where we were with big feelings and we did not have that, that healthy parent to help us co-regulate. Yes. Kids can go through trauma. We can go through trauma, but it's being alone with our trauma that's traumatizing. Right. That's what's hard. Mm. When we're alone with our trauma and we're not, we don't have that healthy adult to regulate with, to soothe us, to be with us, to help us unpack it, that's when we're left alone and we learn to grow up very lonely and we have to grow up very quickly and we take those patterns into our adulthood and it's okay like this is a this is an epidemic it's everywhere but we can do the work to heal and it mm. starts with reaching out to somebody to get that support to then go back and unpack it and reparent yourself go back and be that healthy adult for yourself in those painful moments mm. and rewire those moments and reframe them so that you take away a different meaning so that when you go out in your next relationships, you can be healthier, you can be more, you can see things for what they really are without that lens of, of pain. Mm, absolutely. Couldn't agree more with mm. everything. That was amazing. Um, so following on from, I, I suppose, relationship coaching, how or what are some ways that you're encouraging clients to attract or manifest love? Because that's a big one, right? Mm. You're obviously working with singles and couples. Mm-hmm. So for the singles, mm-hmm. what are, what are they doing? What's yeah. yeah? Well, it's doing the work yourself, isn't it? Mm, so the healing. Yeah. First of all, it's um, you know I have a whole framework that we go through. I'm actually running a course very soon called the Pattern Interrupt. It's for single women or women in relationships, but women predominantly, um, where they're not feeling connected because 
if we're not feeling connected to our partner, that's really just a, a symptom of us not feeling connected to ourselves. Mm. Um, because our relationships mirror what's going on internally. It's it's You can't feel connected to yourself and tolerate being in a relationship where you feel disconnected with... You just can't. No. So no. Um, it's first of all cultivating that connection with ourselves. So it, we go back into... We go through a whole heap of pillars. So it's inner child work. It's shadow work. It's learning nonviolent communication. So that's a big piece, like really understanding how to communicate from the heart mm. and without attacking or blaming anyone. Because yeah. they are patterns that are so wide in our system. Like they are just so natural we don't even realise we're doing it. Yeah. So trying to unlearn that, um, connecting with ourselves, so starting to develop that intimate relationship with ourselves. So that looks like, you know, journaling, meditation, breath work, body work, like, you know, mirror work, sitting in front of a mirror and looking at yourself, talking to yourself, you know, healing that relationship with your body, um, dance meditations, like all sorts of stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, honestly, the, the minute you start to lean into this work and you start to develop that connection with self, you can't help it all your life. I've seen it happen for myself. I've seen it happen for many of my clients. The minute that you start to create a better connection with yourself, you start to naturally connect, create better connections with everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Everyone, your, you know, your children, your nieces and nephews, your brothers and sisters, your family, your parents, your friends, your colleagues. Mm. It just happens because you start to open and you start to live from a more heart-centered space and you start to be more authentic, be more empathetic, be more vulnerable, be more honest. You know, when was the last time you had a truly honest, vulnerable conversation with somebody? Yeah. Like really deep, you know, about what's going on for you. Everything's so surface all these days and this is why we're struggling. Oh, absolutely. I found that my friendships have changed mm, dramatically since I've started yep. doing this inner work on myself about a year ago. I started yeah. breath work with a coach and I've been working with Nicola now for a year. She is a godsend from life. She's not just a breath work coach. Like we do oh. so much more than that. And I started being really aware of the surface level conversations yeah. and they irritate me now. Yeah, yeah. Just hearing someone else even say, how's the weather to yeah. someone else? And I'm like, we can all <laughs> see it's sunny. Like, <laughs> don't, uh, like, we know the sun's out. I yeah. get so infuriated by them now. And I guess, you know, that has made me lose touch with other people because it was always surface level. It was just mm. permanent residents being surface level yes, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk about birth trauma. I want to yes. talk about the, all the problems in your life. Let's go through that and yeah. Yeah, we don't have to other. work it out, yeah. but we can just Hold hear space. it. Yeah, and holding that space. space and now the friendships that I've attracted, people that are so in tune and in alignment mm. and have similar goals and have similar dreams and hopes for their future and their families. And it's like, huh, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool. So would you say that since you've been leaning into the work of connecting absolutely. to yourself more? Absolutely. There you go. Yeah. You just also said you're more connected to your husband than ever. Yeah, absolutely. You, you're, you're attracting relationships that are more fulfilling. Yeah. It just happens. Yeah. Because you can't, like, that's, that's why I say you attract where you're at. So a year ago, you were attracting surface-level relationships and you weren't in a deep relationship with your husband because you weren't connected to yourself. Mm. It's it's mm. the rule. It's the way that the world works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can only attract in where you're at. So if you're not, you know, you're attracting those surface level conversations because that's where you were, mm. and that's okay. We're, I I was like that up until a few years ago. Mm. I still like I still oh, have conversations. Ebbs and flows. I, I have conversations with people who I know are on a, <laughs> a high level, and when I'm talking, I can see them sort of check out with me because oh. they're just like. 
oh, I'm living in this world and I see it too. We're all on this little journey mm. and it's things only – so it's funny – that book that you said we were talking about how to do the work, mm. you said you read it twice and it didn't really resonate, but now you're reading it again and it's starting to sink. I've read it three times. First time around, I picked up one sort of thing and then I waited a year and then I read it again and I picked up all this other stuff that I never saw last time. And then this time around, I'm picking up different stuff mm. again. Mm. So it's like you're only ready to see the lessons when you're ready. Yeah. And it's the same thing for your evolving, you, you know, your awakening. Mm-hmm. You're only... And, and we only wake up for two reasons. We learn enough that we want to or we go through enough pain that we have to. Yes. And yeah. so for me, it's always been pain. Yeah. Always. Yeah. So that's just what, that's just the way it is. Like yeah. sometimes it is pain that wakes us up. You know, this, I went to Tony Robbins in 2019 and he talked, I remember being there for four days and he was talking about emotional home. He was talking about releasing those emotions that you've become familiar with, like anger, sadness, fear. Mm. I knew then that my relationship was not connected and not where I wanted it to be. I came home and I told him all this and I was like, I'm so dedicated to change. This is going to happen. We're going to do this. And then three months went by, I did nothing. Mm -hmm. I did a little bit of maybe bits and pieces. Mm. And then all of a sudden before you know it, we're broken up. Mm. So, and then we're broken up and then all of a sudden I'm deep in the work because (laughs) I was in pain. Mm. When I went to Tony Robbins, I wasn't in pain. I went because I was like, oh, this will be cool. Learn a little bit. But it wasn't until I was faced with that pain where I was like, why is this happening? I need to figure this out that I went and did the work. Yeah, it's so funny that people go to Tony for motivational speeches, like just to think that it's going to pump them up for their life. And it's like, it's so much more than that. Yes, You're going to talk about all the things and yeah. really work on that, all the hard stuff that you've avoided for so long. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, it's the biggest thing I see people avoiding, avoiding themselves. Because yeah. it's hard to face yourself. No one wants to feel like that. Absolutely. It's hard to sit with those emotions that don't feel good in the body. Mm. It's hard to sit. Like, you know, emotions last 90 seconds in the body if we allow them, if we fully feel them and pre- and are present to them. Yep. But what happens is we avoid them, we push them away, and then they stay stagnant in the body. Mm. So it's really hard to sit there and let yourself feel anger, like pure <laughs> anger. It's really hard to let yourself just be sad. Yeah. It's and so much easier to go onto the Instagram and scroll or turn Netflix on or go and eat a burger. <laughs> and I think that we've, over time, similar to, I guess, the fitness industry where we want a fast result. So we're like, oh, it hasn't worked this week. I'm not doing it anymore. No, that doesn't, you know, I've done meditation once. It's not working. Mm-hmm. It took, it has taken me 12 months of consistent breath work. And I'm like, I do an hour session once a month and then I do my own every other day. Mm-hmm. And... 12 months and I can tap into a meditative state like that. When we were doing timeline therapy last week, I was just straight away in. Mm. And a lot of the people that I was working with were like, how did you do that? Like, Mm. it takes me ages to even get the picture in my head. And I'm just like, I've just been doing this for so long that I can finally get to that point. But fuck, the amount of breathwork sessions I've done with a guided coach paid Mm. where I'm just like, do, 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 do. And I'm like Mm. just breathing because she's there. And she knew that. But it took time. It took consistency and discipline and showing up for yourself. um, And letting your guard down to, you know, do that work and not be scared of what's going to happen on the other side of discomfort. That's right. right. Because there's only growth. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so interesting. I know. So interesting. I feel like I could talk to you all day, but I just want to ask you a couple of quick yes. questions before you go. Totally. Um, biggest inspiration? Um, oh, so many. Right now, I would have to say, well, I love Michelle Bridges. Mm. I just, I really 
you know, I got, I was lucky enough to meet her in person. Oh, yeah, and she cool. actually is as lovely as she seems. She's oh, so that's humble. that's so good. <laughs> she's so humble and so warm. Mm. Um, so actually, I really do think what she's done for Australian women, what she's done for the industry is just phenomenal. She's just somebody I think is incredible. Mm. Um, I have to say the holistic psychologist, Nicola Pera, Dr. Yeah. Nicola Pera. Yeah. I think if she doesn't win some sort of Nobel Peace Prize, like there's something wrong in the world, like she's just... <laughs> She is creating generational healing in a way that has never been seen before mm. in our lifetime. And she's making it accessible. Like these days, so many people do not have the, you know, resources to go and get the help that they need. And she gives back in such a huge way. Mm. Like, you know, every few months she'll do a pay it forward sort of scheme. Like I've every time I see it, I do it. So I've bought books for people all around the world. And then you become pen pals with them, you oh, know. Cool. Um, she connects people online that way. She... Every now and then we'll just take a hundred books down to a park or a main street and leave them out for people. She's just what she, and she shares so much on her social media. That's just, you know, she, you, you literally every day you look at that page and you get some sort of little mini therapy session. (laughs) So I think for her, I think what she's doing really inspires me. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're probably my biggest inspirations right now. Um, you know, I'm inspired by anybody that puts her hand up and asks for help. Mm. You know, for me, I lived in so much pain for so long. It wasn't wasn't until maybe five or six years ago that I went through a really dark night of the soul that no one really knew the pain I lived with until I put my hand up and I asked for help. And then when I saw that, everything shifted. When I saw people show up for me, and then I realized, okay, well, now it's up to me to show up for myself. So I'm really inspired by anybody that just reaches out and asks for help Mm. and just is brave enough to face themselves. Because it's the scariest work we'll ever do. But you can't... There's no way we'd be having this conversation right now. There's no way I'd be able to help all these people that I'm helping if I hadn't done that for myself first. Yeah. So, yeah, anyone that's doing that, that that's inspiring to me. Oh, that's... I, I love it so much. I think um, I really like that doctor. I can't say her last name. What was it? Dr. Shafali? Oh, Shafali, yes. Shafali, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Shafali. I, I follow her as well and yeah. I just love all of her content. She's coming to Australia soon. I think oh. she might be here now. Oh, in April. wow. She's running a, a, a session in Sydney. Wow. Yeah, you should try and go if you can. Yes, I'll yeah. have to look, look that up actually. I yeah. might even put it on the show notes of this episode. So yeah. Go if yeah. you watch her or follow her. She's amazing. Um, but thank you for today. Mm. It's been so good to my, chat to you. My pleasure. Thank so you so good. much for the invite. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.